Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Legally Clueless. I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast. I'd love you to join our tribe online. Head over to Instagram. That's at Legally Clueless Podcast. In fact, maybe I should put a link to that page in the description. Yeah, I'll do that. However, this is going to be an awesome episode like all the rest. (laughs) What is humility, eh? (laughs) No, but seriously, there is such a necessary story coming up on 100 African Stories. Listen to this. One day, I gave him my password to my Snapchat account. He went through almost all the texts I had with guys who had hit on me way before we started dating. One of the really, really big red flags was he kept me as a secret. So when he heard his friends are coming over, he takes a key, leaves the room, locks the door, even hid my shoes. I loved this story and I think that it's both powerful and special. I'll get into it a little later in the episode. But how has your week been? Like, I'm genuinely asking. It's not just (laughs) random small talk. Drop a comment. Hit me up on Twitter at Adele O. Like, we genuinely need to check on each other during this season. There's a lot happening and people not knowing how to share their emotions, their concerns, their struggles and I think the first step is talking about it. It helps me. So I'd love to know how you're doing. How was your week? Other than the cold, if you're in Nairobi, which is just so hectic. And then I didn't realize my body responds immediately to cold. So like right now, as I'm recording this, I've just turned off my floor heater because of the hum it gives off. And I can already tell my throat is like, hey, (laughs) we're not liking this. But yeah, the cold is not cool. This week... My blues, if you listen to the last two episodes, I was in a bit of a funk, but on Monday morning, that funk was completely erased. My sister finally gave birth to a beautiful baby girl, and I'm an actual auntie, like legit auntie, not the ones where a friend of a friend's friend has a kid, (laughs) and you attach yourself by force. saying you're an auntie but you know you're really not no I'm genuinely an auntie and the baby girl she's so beautiful and so glorious and she's named after my mom which is just so powerful I've never witnessed uh, you know a newborn so close I'm a last born and even my younger cousins I was never there when they were super super young well except my cousin Stephanie But I was also young too, so I guess it didn't even register. (laughs) But this is just, I can only imagine what my sister, her mom is feeling. Because for me, it's just such a nice warmth inside that I think for her being a first time mom, it must just be so beautiful. Well, not the nights because she's not sleeping. But, (laughs) you know, when you do get some rest, it must be beautiful, I think. And of course, it made me start thinking of, you know, having babies again. I've spoken about this on a few episodes in the past. There was a time that I always wanted one. I'd even given him a name and I'd already manifested that it'll be a son. (laughs) And then I woke up one day and this was after getting married. I woke up one day and I, I just didn't feel like I wanted kids anymore. I didn't know what my why when I wanted a child, what was the why? What was the reason? You know what I mean? I think everything should have a why. And I know you can never be 100% ready for it, but at the very least, there should be a why. And I 
currently don't have one. So just in a space where I'm like, maybe I don't want kids. And of course, I've had conversations with my partner about that because before I got married, I wanted kids and a little into the marriage and then I changed my mind and I'm so thankful that I have a very understanding partner. He just gives me the room to be, you know, he's just giving me the room to change my mind whenever I want. And he always says, he's like, you know, there's a lot more that you as a woman go through when it comes to having a child than the man. So I can't dictate anything. I'm just, I thought about it this week. I was like, mm, will this, can you born inspire me to want one again? Nope. <laughs> didn't happen <laughs> something else that i came across this week that i wanted to share i think i tweeted about it on sunday last week or monday i can't remember but there's this page so i have this friend who's in the uk i met her when i'd gone for a conference in 2017 and she had reached out because she has a podcast where she only interviews women you should check it out it's called valva la revolution i love it and her name is esther so she was my first contact with podcasting. She was using a USB mic when she recorded me and I was just so fascinated by it all. And we've remained friends to date. And she shares a lot of cool stuff on her Instagram and she shared a page called Naked Grapefruit. I know you're wondering what in the world is this, but it's a pretty beautiful. <laughs> I've just opened up their website. <laughs> and the first thing that hits you when you open the website is we come in peace so should you and come and see you so it's a sex positive website or resource or space and basically what their mandate is is normalizing female pleasure and i just think i'm at a point in my life where i'm really making so much progress in terms of sexual freedom after sexual trauma does that make sense right i know not many people talk about it first not many people talk about sex period in this side of the world but on top of that even just like a woman having the right to enjoy sex or to be sexually liberated is not spoken about so it makes it even harder when you've experienced sexual trauma like myself so if you are a survivor of rape or some form of sexual violence you'll understand that something major breaks in that sector and so thankfully through therapy i have gotten really confident in terms of my sexual freedom so i came across an article by naked grapefruit which is self-love after sexual trauma it's all about regaining your sexual freedom what i loved about it is that bits in it that i recognize from my therapy sessions and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to put the link to that particular article in the description please check it out if you are a woman or if you know of a woman who has survived sexual violence or sexual trauma just share it with them it's it's it doesn't talk about only the the what would i call it like the mental stuff about learning to love yourself again but it also goes into the sexual stuff which I just don't feel like there are enough resources outside of therapy specifically on that. So I stumbled on that. Well, Esther shared it and I saw it and I figured why not share it on the podcast as well. So check the description. Um, as you can tell, I'm in a much better mood. Thank heavens. Um, thankful because of the good news, obviously, of my niece. But also, I really do appreciate all of the love and the amazing chats and comments that you send my way on the Legally Clueless hotline number. Just validating and affirming that this podcast 
is a space that I can be as me as possible without worrying that I'm being too heavy for you. So I, I can't lie. Those messages actually do help and did help me. So I'm very thankful for that. So I want to jump into, <laughs> it just hit me that the song of the week has a lot to do with <laughs> sexual freedom. Well, I think, I'm not sure. So the song of the week is by Trevor Jackson. And I think he, not, he's not in black, he's in Grownish. He's one of the characters in Grownish, but he's an actor and he's a musician. So I was listening to music on YouTube and it kept doing its thing. You know, it just keeps adding various songs into your playlist. Then it added this particular song from him. I have to say, I've not really paid attention to his music. <laughs> I just kept checking him out on Grownish, but I never paid attention to his music. But the song that came out, I really love it because there's a groove to it. It has a really nice bounce. It's called Good Enough. So I listened to it like background music as YouTube was doing its thing and I was working. And then I was like, oh, I really like the song. Let me pay attention to the music video. So I watched the music video towards the end because it's action packed. <laughs> He's very dramatic with the music videos, by the way. It's like a mini movie, which is not bad. It's dope. But so it's action packed. At the end, he's in a room getting cozy with these two women while getting cozy. <laughs> it sounds like someone's grandmother, but you get the point. And so he's with these two women and it looks like they, they're going to have a threesome. Then I'm like, wait, is that what this song is about? So I listen again to the lyrics. I'm really invested. <laughs> I told you guys, I pay close attention to songs and their lyrics. So I, I listen to the song again and I'm like, I think this song is about a threesome. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. <laughs> it was just so interesting the way I stumbled upon this hypothesis. <laughs> I'm not sure. I could be... I know the worst thing is, if I'm wrong, all of you are just going to ask, Adele, where was your mind? What are you up to? <laughs> so it's a song of the week for research purposes. I want you to listen to it. I put a link to it in the description. Yeah, just just tell me. A, if you enjoy the song, it's got a really good bounce, whatever it is about. And then B, just like, just like really listen. <laughs> and then also check out the music video. Tell me what you think it's about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that aside, <laughs> we need to jump into um, the 100 African story on this episode. So first, I would like to update you that I have recorded 85 African stories so far. I just realized it when I was sorting out all the admin stuff for the podcast this week. And I was like, yay, do I know what I'll do once we hit 100? I'm most probably going to start again. <laughs> and hopefully by then I'll have figured out how to take the podcast back on tour even with Corona, because I don't think there's anything like going back to life as we knew it. I think we now just need to figure out what life is going to be like going forward. It's going to be a new normal, basically. So I, I hope I can crack that. And maybe that's going to be added in by the time we hit 100 stories. But on this episode, I think it's a very powerful and special story because it's about young love and young relationships but it's something that I feel like happens across the board. No matter how old you are, no matter the nature of your relationship, you most probably have been in a situation where you, two things, one, ignored certain red flags that you really shouldn't have ignored. 
And in hindsight, you're like, oh, I should have known better when he or she or they did ABCD. And then two, a lot of people downplay heartbreak and they downplay how shattering it is. And so when you are feeling down or sad about, you know, a relationship ending or somebody hurting you, somebody that you're in an, in an intimate relationship with hurting you, many people are like, how can you allow a man to get you this sad? How can you allow a woman to get you this sad? You know what I mean? And many people rubbish heartbreak or pain from an intimate relationship when it's really bad, like it's really heavy and it can lead you to a very dark place. So I love that that was brought out in Wanjiru's story. Stories from Africa. My name is Wanjiru. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. I've always been a hopeless romantic. It's it's just something that's like very, very engraved in me. So when I love, I love wholeheartedly and fearlessly. <laughs> it's who I am and it's who I'll always be. So I met a guy. Um, we were mutual friends initially and this was because I had dated one of his friends but we never spoke then up until 2016 when I made a comment on Facebook. So he found it funny, texted me, and uh, that's where everything sparked up. Our friendship was something else. We'd be around each other like so much. He was there for my birthday dinner. He was there for my first high school prom, which coincidentally fell on his birthday. So I used it as an excuse to celebrate. For every breakup I went through, he witnessed. For every fallout I had with a friend, he was there. So he literally knew every single facet of my life. And he had read me like a book, cover to cover. So we became best friends. And towards the end of 2017, he jokingly asked, like, what's the worst thing that could happen if we ever dated? The hopeless romantic in me jumped all the way out. I actually really didn't see the worst that could happen if we became best friends and we started dating. Because ideally, all the great cliche romance stories are usually brewed from, oh, we were best friends and then we fell in love. <laughs> so we started dating. One day, I gave him my password to my Snapchat account. I mean, I trusted him enough to give him my things i was handling a few things so i just let him uh take my password and text a few friends because i didn't have access to my account then so he went through almost all the texts i had with guys who had hit on me way before we started dating and soon after he texts me in such a rage he was so i, I remember him being so angry that day in my eyes, I couldn't understand why, because these were guys who I never really had interest in, and I never really ever implied anything that would ever seem suggestive. One of the red flags was, he's always been infamous for his anger, so whenever you mention his name, everyone knows he's just that guy who either spazzes or he's just very, very infamous for his anger. It's something everyone knows him for but I didn't pay much attention to it because we were friends and I knew him right like that's that's how I always looked at it so we spoke over the phone over that incident and since then 
things really, really took a toll um, for the worst. Right after that, he made it very, very known that I should never, ever talk to any other guy or let alone form friendships with anyone new. And me being me, <laughs> I just went along with it because I it, it came out as him looking out for me or him protecting me or him caring for me. We were in the same school. So at the time, so my expectations were that our relationship ought to be out in the open. But one of the really, really big red flags was he kept me as a secret. <laughs> no one knew that you we were dating. And I remember when I used to ask him why he'd just always get so defensive about it. <laughs> And be like, I don't like people knowing my private things. I just want to, you know, savor this just for us. And I was just like, okay, I couldn't understand because the type of person he was was someone who really could care less. I mean, he never really cared about what people say. So it was, it came as a shock that he didn't want people to know that we were together. So because of that and many other issues that that came up he always made sure that we talked about things and he did it quite often and when we'd talk he'd make sure i talk about my heart like the hardcore things he always wanted me to talk about my childhood and how i was as a child and things that had happened to me um my strained relationship with my mom at the time from being molested at 11 my failed relationships like you just wanted to know everything cover to cover like I really didn't think much of it because I thought he was trying to get to know me better but the very things that I would talk to him about were the things that he would turn against me as time went by and mind you at this time while he's using these things to control me I didn't have that many friends at the time. So the few ones that I had, they didn't know the depth of how heavy things were. So I was going through certain things more or less so alone. So I didn't realize it, but I was sinking into a really dark pit. There's one time my classmates had invited me over for lunch on the weekend. And coincidentally, though, that weekend fell on what was our anniversary <laughs> so I ditched my classmates and I was just like yeah I'm gonna go to his house and I'm gonna spend the weekend together and it's just gonna be us and I'm trying to work on the relationship I just want us to be good and yeah I was really really naive about it so I went to his place and the funny thing is I remember <laughs> it was on a Saturday and on that day his friends unexpectedly came over and before they came over, they had called him while they were at the gate. And when he had his friends are coming, he locked me in his room. He actually locked me in his room. He, he, now it went from me being a secret to me being locked inside the room. And I, I was really confused because we were spending time together. My friends, my classmates are, on the other hand, were calling me, um, trying to, find out where I am and what I'm doing. I switched off my phone. I even switched off my phone. So when he heard his friends are coming over, he takes a key, leaves the room, locks the door, and then goes to entertain his friends. He even hid my shoes from where the door was because his friends, who were also my classmates at the time, um, knew that there's a, like that pair of shoes, like you could just know that these are my shoes. 
So he hid me and he locked me for about two hours. So he tried to uh, get his friends to leave for a few minutes. And once they left for a few, he opens the door and he tells me, you have to go. You have to go and you have to go now. Um, You don't need to be here right now. So I'm confused. I'm just there like, I've canceled plans with my friends, with my, with my classmates. I have made time. It's literally anniversary and you're chasing me away. Me? At the time, I was so heated and he really dismissed it. So he chases me away and I was just like, oh, okay, that's a bit odd, but fine. So I go home. But that wasn't the first time he had chased me away. There was another incident where we'd spend time after school. Uh, I really didn't, I really don't know what I, I had no business like leaving school and going after school to spend time with um someone else. Like, honestly. <laughs> Just something very naive, but I I was doing it out of love. That's how I was thinking of it then. I was doing it out of love. So there's a time I went to his place after school and he chased me again. To make matters worse, one of his family members was like really hurling insults at me when I was leaving, um, calling me names like, you're so young, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. It was really graphic. Let me just say that. And really traumatizing to be chased that often we'd have arguments along the way i really don't remember um a time where we were okay and whenever i'd bring up those personal concerns he'd make me schedule on when i should talk about my issues so if i tell him oh um i'm feeling this way and um this and this is happening with me it's like oh okay we'll talk about that on tuesday at this time <laughs> at on tuesday at 11 and then i'll get to talk about my problems on friday at at 10 30 like he would always make me schedule on when i should talk about my issues or when i should say how i feel and if i ever tried to question him he'd be like today is not your day today is not your day for talking so just wait it out. I came to find out that he was cheating on me the entire time. We were together for four months and I just figured out just the other day that he was cheating on me the entire time. But I didn't know then. When we'd argue, he would really call me names. And whenever I'd try to talk about anything heavy, he would start laughing like hysterically. Like he would really really start laughing i mean it took therapy and days 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 of healing just to get rid of how hearty that sound that that the sound of that laugh would just play in my mind even after all those incidents i found myself like really really giving in just to please him or just to make him happy on that journey of trying to make him happy i lost my friends i lost my sanity i lost um my peace of mind i lost myself like i really really sunk into a deep deep dark depression one night um he decides to bring up the same incident that sparked everything up i got like really really frustrated because i couldn't understand why he had brought it up again and then this time he's insulting me he's calling me names i couldn't understand why because for me like i said previously it's i, I really didn't think much of it i didn't think that m my best friend would like he, he was supposed to understand me so i started getting frustrated and these were months of just harboring things in 
So on that night, when I confronted him and just asked him, like, why do you keep doing this to me? He starts yelling. And while he was yelling, he was telling me how useless I am and how worthless I am, how nobody will ever be able to love me. And he starts explaining why I can't even stay in relationships. Just a whole load of like hurtful things and and after he said all that he just cut a call once he cut a call i remember just crying i was crying and crying and crying i really couldn't believe that this is someone who i had called my best friend and i was just like i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to be here anymore i've lost friends i've now lost my best friend that's how i was looking at it and i just figured i couldn't take it anymore i didn't want to be here anymore and I felt as though I needed to take that pain away so I took a scarf I remember just running this day is kind of like a blur to me because of the the way these events happened in such a short span of time and they were so heavy as well so I remember just running to my room I took like a really really thick scarf and I hung it over the highest point of um my window, the the little window, like, bars that, that you can, like, anyway, yeah, the window. I hung it on the highest point of the window, and I wrapped it around my neck and stood on a stool, and I just remember slowly, like, tipping off the, the stool beneath me. Um, I was holding my phone in one hand while I was standing on the stool, and when I started running out of breath, slowly, I, I knew I wanted to die, but I was really, really scared. So I, I was latching, one hand was latching onto one of the window bars and the other had my phone in hand. So the process was like kind of like slower. While I was in that like process, I remember just calling all of my friends. I, was calling them like no one was really picking because it was late into the night. So I was texting people. I was trying to call the friends who I had lost contact with, the friends who I had cut off along the way. And when two friends picked up that night, so when one of them picked, I just remember telling them, I'm really sorry. Um, I was apologizing so much. I was telling them, I'm sorry for being a bad person. I'm sorry for being a bad friend. I'm sorry for being an unlovable person. I just remember saying that over and over and over and over again. The first friend, like, he could tell I was really, really uncomfortable. So he stopped. I, I, he stopped and then he started texting me. He cut the phone and then he started texting me. And then the second friend who I had called and I was apologizing to was just like, no, I'm not going to lose my friend. So he cut a call and he called my parents. All I remember from that night was, my dad coming to untie the scarf um, because by then I had tipped over the, the, the stool. The stool had already like fallen. So I remember my dad just coming in to untie the scarf and take me to hospital. Like that night I was a mess. I was such a mess. Oh my God. I was a whole, whole, whole mess. And when like I had now gained like proper, proper consciousness, I remember just being so mad and 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 upset because I was just like, am I really that unlovable that death doesn't even want me? 
is there something wrong with me? Is there? It was really dark. It was really, really dark. The day after, my family really came and showed up. Um, I remember my aunt just coming into the world that I was in and she was crying. She was just like, why, why would you, why would you want to do that? We really love you. We really care for you. No one really bothered to ask me, um, what had happened, but they were there. And oh my God, I have never felt so supported in my life than in that moment. My family came and they showed up. They, they, they were being very, very careful with how they were handling the situation and the questions they were asking me. And I could tell they were concerned and it's understandable as to why they would be concerned. Even when I was in the ward and when my family had left and everything had just come to a standstill, I remember thinking there are other people in this ward and there's someone who's sick maybe with a stomach issue or someone who's sick, someone who's probably having migraines or someone who's... People who are in my opinion, would have been worse than what I was in. Like, I was just like, I'm here and I'm in the hospital and it's because I am depressed and suicidal. Like, what's not happening? Like I said, my family was very supportive. So they took me to coast for one week. My dad took my phone, so I really had no contact with anyone. I missed school for three weeks and... The time that I came back to school, I really couldn't tell anyone, yeah, I wasn't in school because this and this happened and I really didn't want to see this guy's face and I couldn't tell anyone. So when I came back to school, I remember just using an excuse like, oh, I was having issues with my chest pains and blah, 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 just to try and mask the fact that I was away from school because I had a suicidal episode and I was depressed. It's not something you can really go and say casually but I think the lessons that I really took out of this whole experience and what it's taught me is from now like I've I've taken active steps towards healing and it's been such a rough road like I won't lie that experience was such a powerful eye-opener it taught me how to invest the same energy that I use into into loving myself just as much as I do with others be it with my family with the partner I have now with my friends and even as far as the relationship I have with my work so it taught me that if I'm able to invest this energy into other people then I should be able to invest it into my into loving myself like fully so did the experience break me it definitely did it broke me and it really 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 broke me but those fragments of those broken fragments have been so paramount to my growth as an individual that if i could unwind time i really would not change a thing in as much as it was so 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 heavy i would not change a thing because it's a lesson learned and yeah I I really really would not change a thing whenever I'd see him I'd I'd always try and hide all the time I would I would see him and I try and hide there's a time I saw him in class and the person he was cheating with was in the same class as me so I would watch them like flirt with each other and I'm just like oh my god 
I literally had a whole breakdown in class. I just started crying. I remember there's a time I just saw them and I just started crying. I did it like in a way that no one could tell, but I feel like people around me must have probably just been like, what's wrong with her? Like, what's not happening? So, yeah, I saw him. And the funny, I, I don't know, up until today, I don't know where that strength came from, just to be able to go to school every single day and look this person in the face every single day. I don't know where that strength came from, but it was there. And I'm, I can really clap for myself for just being able to face someone like that. But yes, it was, it was really difficult to just see him every single day. It took a lot, a lot of strength. So there's a time my uh, therapist told me to write him a letter. And this was just as a way to, um, to, to let everything out because I felt like Talking to my friends about my experiences wasn't really helping much. And when I expressed it to my therapist, she just told me to write a letter. And I didn't think I would have to take the letter with me and read it out loud to my therapist. When I was reading it out loud, oh my God, I cried. I cried and I cried and I cried because I blamed myself so much. I realized I blamed myself so much for being in that situation without even acknowledging the fact that it's because of him that certain things happened. I would, I remember blaming myself so much. So when I was reading out the letter, it was, it was very therapeutic because I started to realize it, it wasn't really my fault and, and I should also forgive myself. Once I read it, I, oh my God, I felt like there was something like a really, really big weight just being lifted off my shoulders. And it was just like, you know what? I've let you go and, and it's okay. It's, it's fine. Everything is going to be okay. And I'm going to be fine. I also realized because much later on, after I moved on from the situation, they always say that the hardest relationship is the one that's after a traumatic one. Because that's when, like, you really have to learn how to unlearn, like, certain things practically. When I was going through therapy, I had started a new relationship. And um, in that new relationship that I'm still currently in that relationship, it's been a year and five months. While I was in that relationship, I realized I would really act out as though I'm talking to to him in the past. So whenever I'd argue with my partner, it would be like, some certain things would just trigger me and I would just go into like this defensive mood. Like I'm talking to um the guy from my past, the one who was my best friend. So my therapist pointed it out and it also made me realize I really have to like make sure if I'm unpacking this baggage, I'm just letting it all go. And yeah, I feel like you, you have to love yourself. In, in my, in my opinion, you have to love yourself and you, you have to do it fearlessly like don't care about whatever anyone is thinking don't care about what he's thinking don't care about what she's thinking once you see that red flag don't ignore it like don't make excuses for someone else's behavior just to what don't water else don't water down a a red flag just because of maybe the history you have with this person or how much this person means to you there's so much better out there so I would really, 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 really encourage anyone who's in a situation like this to just drop everything. If you can see the red flag and don't make excuses for someone else's bad behavior. 
if you can see the red flag, just drop everything and go. Because when your gut feeling tells you something, it's telling you something for a reason. So you're not paranoid. You're not naive. You're not um, selfish. You're not just drop everything and leave. Don't care about the other person. Put you first. Always put you first. Catch our next African stories in the next episode. Oh man, I feel like Wanjiro's story when I was, so first she sent a one minute story demo to the Legally Clueless hotline number. And when I heard it, I was like, I identify with this on so many levels, but obviously the one minute doesn't really give you a full scope of everything. And then I worked on the story prompts for her and, you know, we had a conversation about that. And when I was recording it, I was just like, my God, (laughs) I relate with so much in here. And I think very many people do. And it goes back to what I said earlier. The pain that heartbreak brings is quite often downplayed. I don't know why. People are always very quick to dismiss that. And it happens a lot for men, right? So like, or maybe that's a generalization, but I've seen it where men won't allow themselves to feel or express how emotionally draining or uncomfortable a heartbreak is because it's not allowed in quotes of men to feel that you know what i mean and even with women it's just like how can you be down about a guy just a guy and there's so many guys but no (laughs) heartbreak is hectic i also wanted to point out that in terms of relationships and red flags i definitely think it's harder to see the red flags if you and the person you were in a relationship with were really good friends at first. It just blurs. I don't know. I was thinking about it as I was editing the story. I was like, actually, because I've had relationships that started with like amazing friendships and I've had relationships that were just random. And I can see how with a friendship, you're already so emotionally involved. It's blinding. Emotions sometimes can be blinding when it comes to red flags. And ooh, I also thought it was interesting that she talked about how while fighting for this relationship and for this guy, she lost her friends. And if you remember, there's a few episodes ago, quite a few actually, there's a story by Maureen about gaslighting and just a relationship experience she had. And I think it came out then, or maybe I'm, I'm confused, but about when you date somebody who's toxic, something that comes out is that they kind of isolate you away from your friends. Yes, I now remember how Maureen said it. She said how she'd always be so scared he was going to like lash out or act a fool or whatever. So she stopped taking him out to places where her and her friends would be or going for events with him. And in that process, it isolated her because then she would only be with him. It's very enriching when in a relationship for the two of you to have your own spaces, your own hobbies, your own lives, because you you are your own people. So when you start realizing that this one person has become the beginning and the end, it's always tricks, right? Anyway, still in the spirit of gratefulness and, and me constantly thanking you for listening to this podcast, I genuinely enjoy going through the Legally Clueless hotline and stumbling on your audio notes, not only your story demos, but even the ones where you just related to a particular story on this podcast. My name is Maggie and just listened to episode 69 where I heard you play someone's voice note. Uh, and I thought this is something I really like to do, uh, to tell you 
how much I enjoy listening to your episodes for this period uh, that we've all been home. When I hear people's stories of how they overcame impossible situations, people, very different people from, you know, different places, such a variety of stories, it helps me normalize the narrative of how it's okay to not be okay i mean and even when you talk about uh the things you go through in your in your life you know your your day-to-day struggles the big ones and the small ones it really encourages me even when you're able to laugh through you 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 really like laughing thank you so much for that message maggie and if you want to send through audio notes about stories or things on this podcast whatever episode it is that you've resonated with, you can do that. If you want to send through a one-minute story demo because you want to tell a story on one of the episodes, you can do it. The podcast number is plus 254-768-628-790. And don't forget, by the way, to join us on Instagram. That's at Legally Clueless Podcast. I have to end this podcast here. We have new neighbors. Whose kids are so noisy, but also they have the noisiest water pump, and it feels like out of 24 hours of the day, they are pumping water like maybe 20 hours (laughs) out of 24. So, yeah, that commotion has just started. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.